other day. When you get an opportunity in this game, you make a play. The playmakers on three. One, two, three. Touchdown, Kansas City. The Chiefs are right in the thick of it, baby. Okay, Chiefs Kingdom, you wanted it, you got it. Part three of our Super Bowl 57 coverage. Mitch Holtis with you, voice of the Chiefs, along with senior team reporter Matt McMullen. And back to the Blues Brothers, right? <laughs> We've got, I don't know, half tank of gas. We're wearing sunglasses. Hit it or win it. Uh, this episode is brought to you by Storage Mart. Uh, they have been great sponsors through with us throughout the entire season. But before we do anything to get you ready for Super Bowl 57, let's go around the world in our defending the kingdom tradition. Well, first of all, I mean, how ridiculous is this setting <laughs> right now? I mean, we have a Super Bowl to get ready for, but you and I are just trying to mellow out a little bit. I think we're achieving it with our current <laughs> surroundings, don't you think? I think so. But my mind is going back to the day I beat the drum yeah. for the Seattle Seahawks game when it was minus four on the field wind chill, and I think it was higher up there. So... I ain't apologizing for it. So as we go around the world, I'm just going to go with you in the back seat, my friend. Yeah, my, my wife is uh, back in Kansas City talking about the snow that just hit, and I'm, I'm trying to not talk about this that much. But let's go around the world. we got 10 people uh, all over the world listening to DTK. We have tons of people. So I'm trying to catch up on some people that wrote in a few uh, days ago. Uh, if you wrote in on the last episode, I will get to you, I promise. But we have 10 people that I'm going to list off. For the 10 playoff DTK. wins that Patrick Mahomes has. Exactly. Right? Hopefully Soon to be 11. 11. Exactly. So we have a listener in Boise, Idaho. You ever been to Boise? I love Boise. So Boise's a great town. Uh, I have been there. I've been on the campus of Boise State University. It is a, uh, it's a sneaky spot that's, uh, uh, yes. Yeah. But the fact that we have Kingdom Defenders there is awesome. But if you get a chance to go to Boise, that's a place to go. Yeah, Boise's a nice spot. We have Barry and Kim in Okinawa, Japan. They've been fans since 1968. Wow. And they are expecting a fullback breakout game here in Super Bowl 57. So Michael Burton, get ready. Wow. Yeah. If you've got Michael Burton on a prop bet, <laughs> look out. <laughs> yep. What do we think, an 80-yard run? Something like that, yeah. 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 Screen pass for 65 and a touchdown. A couple touchdowns. Yeah. Uh, we have William in London. He'll be watching the Super Bowl from Turkey, though. Uh, Syed is in Peterborough, United Kingdom. Uh, Troy in Shingle House, Pennsylvania, a longtime listener. We have I've got to go to Shingle House, Pennsylvania. Yeah. I'm fascinated by Shingle House. I don't know why. So Shingle House, Pennsylvania, we're coming to you sometime. We, we talk about all the Philadelphia connections here in Kansas City with the Chiefs, some Shingle House connections as well. Hey, we got a lot of Pennsylvania outstate connections, more than you know. <laughs> we have Abdu in Senegal, West Africa. Pretty cool. We have a listener who was born in Independence, Missouri, just 15 miles from GEHA Field at Arrowhead Stadium. Uh, Santa Livy from Samoa. Very cool. I apologize if I mispronounced your name, but thank you so much for listening to DTK. Uh, Preston from Waverly, Iowa. And then Lori, a grandmother from Cochrane, Alberta. Wow. Yeah. Love it. The kingdom just continues to grow worldwide, and everybody's excited about this Super Bowl 57 game. Uh, a reminder, if you cannot make it here uh, to Phoenix for the game and make sure you get the second mortgage on your house so you can afford it, uh, Jay Rieger and Company Distillery, uh, you've been to that place, right? It's awesome, yeah. It is awesome. I, I just kind of I thought i got to visit this. I did it right before. I, that was part of my Christmas gifts uh, that I handed out to, to folks was getting some Jay Rieger gift certificates. I'm going to take Tammy back there. But they're having a Super Bowl party, and if you want to – 
experience the kingdom like you're at the game, Jay Rieger and Company Distillery is the place to go. They're going to have prize giveaways. Mark Richter is going to be there. He of the 99-yard reception against the Chargers in 2002. Uh, he'll be there along with Casey Wolf. There'll be prizes to give away, and I really think they're giving away some tickets to next year's home opener. So that's during the Super Bowl. Go watch the Super Bowl with some other Kingdom defenders, and that'll be at Jay Rieger and Company Distillery. We are beyond blessed to be here and to be able to attend a Super Bowl, but part of me is so torn because to be in Kansas City, when the Chiefs win this game on Sunday, will be absolutely electric. And especially at Jay Rieger, it should be awesome. You know, those uh, pictures that we saw from Super Bowl 54 and Power and Light and then all throughout the city. Here's what's interesting, though. When people sync up our sound, <laughs> like our sound was beating the audio or the video, and they would hear fireworks go. They're watching the game, but then they'd hear the <laughs> go off. And it was either a touchdown or we won the game. Yeah. And so it happened like a few minutes before. So if you really want to know in real time, sync up. You can sync up the video. This is tricky. You can do it. And then just go to the Wolf Kansas City uh, on your laptop, and you can sync it up, and you'll beat your neighbors. You can blow up the Roman candles because you'll know what's happening before the rest of the, uh, the at least the Kansas City world will know. This is where I'm mentally broken. There's the NFL official stats site, and before I would travel with the team, that would be a half second ahead of the TV. So if I wanted to know what would happen, I could just hit refresh and it would tell me. But oftentimes in the press box when we're actually at the games, there's a mental disconnect where I'll be refreshing that, and it's like, Matt, the action's happening right in front of you. It's right, it's that, right here. <laughs> nothing yeah. has occurred, but you're watching I'll, it in real time. <laughs> yeah. I think I'll still be doing it on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But you're you are the Matt stat. Let's jump into this game because the episode two uh, was handle it, and really last week in our episode one was talking about preparing for this game, uh, and where we and Andy we trust of handling that bye week, what it meant, handling uh, all of the distractions that come with this game for both the Chiefs and the Eagles. That was the last episode. Now it is time not to jump into this water behind <laughs> us, but it is to jump in to Super Bowl 57 and get into the football weeds of this game because there is so many uh, interesting and very intriguing. Uh, this just looks like an epic game. But let's start with the Philadelphia defense because I think that's uh, where maybe the side of the ball that's getting the most attention for Philadelphia their defensive front is reminiscent of the old 70s and 80s defensive fronts like the Purple People Eaters and those great Raiders fronts. They have double-digit sacks all across the line. Fletcher Cox is close to that. But, Matt, they have 78 sacks when you look at what they did in the regular season and the postseason. That has not happened in this league since the 85 Chicago Bears, thought to be the best defensive team in the history of the NFL. Yeah, this game really is all about the trenches, and every game truly is, but this game really in particular, because this defensive front of the Eagles is legit. 70 sacks in the regular season, that was the most since the 1989 Vikings, and as you said, it's kind of all over the place. They have four different players with at least 11 sacks, and that doesn't include Fletcher Cox, who's widely considered a top three defensive tackle in the NFL. So the Chiefs offense offensive line I think is underrated coming into this game because there's so much talk about how good the Eagles defensive front is I think more people should talk about how good the Chiefs offensive line is but it'll be a great battle uh, and if the Chiefs can protect against that great defensive front that's really where their keys to victory begin in this game so got to protect Patrick Mahomes it will not be easy but our guys can do it yeah let's go there and stay there we love to play fantasy football we love stats but football has always been about either taking the win that you can hear here uh, or uh, dealing 
in the trenches. You've got to win the trenches. But there are some games where it's more paramount than usual, and this is one of those. But I talked with Eric Bieniemy and Coach Reed about this earlier in the week. I honestly think the Cincinnati game helped the offensive line for this game. Cincinnati's defensive front is really good. When you go down the line and you look at Hubbard and Hendrickson and Reeder, I don't want to leave anybody out there. That's a good, deep defensive line. And the Chiefs offensive line took the fight to Cincinnati. They're going to have to do the same to this Philadelphia group. But you notice our offensive linemen aren't saying much. They're just kind of staying in the shadows. They're, they're doing their due diligence in the interviews. But your point kind of triggered this thought in the fact that this offensive line is ready to take on this great defensive front of Philadelphia. They're not intimidated by it at all, and they want to take the blow to them. Yeah, that's a really good point. I don't think Cincinnati got nearly enough credit for how good their defensive line was. I think that's one of the reasons the Cincinnati defense was so good this season and has been for the last couple years under Lou Anarumo is it begins with their defensive front. And they didn't have the sack numbers, but still, I mean, I think that defensive front's a top-five defensive front in all of football. And it did really prepare our guys for the challenge that they're going to have on Sunday against the Eagles. Just because the Eagles have all the sacks doesn't necessarily mean their league's better than the Cincinnati defensive front. And football, again, is one in the trenches. And the Chiefs did bring the fight to the Bengals throughout the AFC title game. They have to do that in this game. And I think it really begins with running the football. And I know we talk about this a lot, and the Chiefs are a pass-first team. We all know that. But uh, with how Isaiah Pacheco and Jarek McKinnon have been running the ball the second half of the season, if you can give the Chiefs' offensive line an opportunity to set the tone early in the game to get some push on that Eagles defensive front and don't allow the Eagles to pin their ears back and just pass rush every single snap, I think that would be a huge advantage for the Chiefs. So if the run game can get going early, Isaiah Pacheco, we know how hard he runs. If he can get some big runs early in this game, and it doesn't even have to be a 20-yard run, just four yards here, five yards there, six yards here. I think that would go a long way in kind of establishing a tone early on against a very talented Eagles defensive front. This is going to sound like an offensive comment. We're going to get to Philly's offense here in a second. But let's go to Philly's defense and stay on this thought and the fact that they're very similar to Cincinnati. Think of a prize fight and a boxer that comes out in the first two or three rounds. Uh, it's interesting. So my wife does guns and hoses, right? The fundraiser uh, for the Kansas City Metropolitan Crime Commission where the firefighters fight the police and they ring the bell and they come out and they're just wailing on each other for 30 seconds and they've collapsed right after that. <laughs> But Philadelphia and Cincinnati have something in common, is they want to knock you out early. They want to play downhill. Now, offensively, I'll get to this more, but they're number one in the league in points scored on their first offensive possession. But this defense wants to play downhill as well. A lot of those sack numbers come from they're ahead, and the other team has got to throw, and there is some knowledge of what the offense is going to do. This defense wants to knock you out, Philadelphia's defense, and they want to do it early in the game. Really, the entire way the Eagles roster is designed is they are built to play from ahead and to maintain that lead and that kind of fits in with what you're saying because if they can get an early lead with the way they play offensively as well and we'll talk about that later but with how they run the ball offensively and then their pass rush defensively if they know you have to pass to keep up with them that really plays into their hands the Chiefs did not play into the Bengals hands in the AFC title game even though the Chiefs didn't finish in the red zone early in that game the fact that they had a lead in the first quarter put pressure on Cincinnati and the Bengals never really recovered they stuck around but the Bengals never had a lead in that game 
So that's how the Bengals want to play football. That's how the Eagles want to play football as well. And even if the Chiefs aren't lighting up the scoreboard early on, if they can keep that pressure on the Eagles, if they can get a three-point lead, a ten-point lead early on, that's really not how Philadelphia wants to play football. And frankly, the Eagles haven't had to do that much at all this year. They haven't been tested in that way much this year. So it's so important for the Chiefs to start fast in this game because the Eagles, that's their bread and butter. Yeah, this may be an off-season episode of Defending the Kingdom, talking about the psychology of the NFL. And, and your point's a really good one. Even though it was a 3 to nothing lead, psychologically that was a big advantage for the Chiefs and one that challenged the Bengals because they had been ahead 14 nothing, 10 to nothing, 10 to 3 at the end of first quarters. They had Cincinnati had not allowed a touchdown in 13 straight first quarters and yet they trailed 3 to nothing. Big psychological advantage. This game feels feels similar to me in that the intensity of the game starts with the first snap. You don't wait till the fourth quarter. Now I want to ask you about the Philadelphia secondary. We look at this Chiefs team that had to be resourceful in that Cincinnati win in the AFC Championship game. We kind of talked about that last week. Guys stepping up. Now it looks like the Chiefs will be close, other than McCole Hardman, to having all hands on deck. That being said, these corners for Philadelphia deserve mention. We've seen Darius Slay. We saw him when he was a De uh, Detroit Lion. We saw him last year when we played Philadelphia in the game where Andy Reid got his 100th win and had 100 wins with two franchises. People kind of forget about that game. But then they go get James Bradbury from the New York Giants, who this year had 20 passes or 20 incompletions credited his way. He was really rated as one of the top corners in the league. So let's look at these corners and what the Chiefs can do to try to handle them. Well, the defense works together, right? A defense in a secondary is only as good as their pass rush, typically, and we're seeing that with the Eagles. It certainly helps that secondary that their pass rush is so prolific. But you're right, whenever they've been on an island, they've been really good this season. Those are two veteran corners that uh, know how to play good football and play four quarters of football. What's so intriguing about the Chiefs' offense, though, is they've totally remade themselves over the last year and a half, where I really think they can find some advantages over the middle of the field and in the short passing game against this Eagles defense. And we've seen that all year long from our guys, guys like Juju Smith-Schuster, Kadarius Toney's part of that now, uh, Travis Kelsey, of course, uh, and Sky Moore, I think, can be involved in that as well. You utilize that short passing game, and then you let uh, guys like Juju and Kadarius do things after the catch and challenge uh, these Eagles defensive backs. The key is getting the ball out quickly so that pass rush can't get home. To Patrick Mahomes if he can get the ball out quickly on those short routes over the middle or wherever it may be uh, and let your receivers do some work after the fact I think they can find success doing that but this is a very talented group and and frankly there's really no weaknesses on this Eagles defense I've been on national and international shows all week long yesterday on Radio Row I was with the San Francisco uh, flagship station and the voice of the 49ers and one thing about the uh, genius of Andy Reid is he's taught me over the years how you can block guys without blocking guys. Think about the great speed rushers we've played this year, including Brother Bosa of the 49ers. We had the same discussion, and they mentioned, before I even mentioned it, they go, yeah, you blocked us without blocking us. Remember the touchdown right under the armpit of Bosa against the 49ers in San Francisco. So Andy Reid is blocking schemes, but it's also doing shifts and motions misdirection to make those pass rushers of Philadelphia have a lot on their plate instead of just pinning their ears back and coming after the quarterback. Andy Reid right now in the National Football League is the mastermind, I think, of blocking elite rushers 
without blocking them at all. Absolutely. Think about Jarek McKinnon and the screen game. How many times have we seen him break off a huge gain when the pass rush is pinning their ears back? Uh, you can't do that against the Chiefs because McKinnon is so lethal in that screen game. Talking about Bosa, the Chiefs went right at Bosa in that screen game in San Francisco several uh, weeks ago earlier this season. And I keep thinking if there has to be a sneaky MVP, like if it's not Patrick Mahomes or Chris Jones or Travis Kelsey, who is the MVP potentially in this game? I really think Jarek McKinnon could be that guy because when you have such a great speed rusher and Hassan Reddick on the Eagles who has like 17 sacks this season if he's coming at you with the ball right over his head to Jarek McKinnon and Jarek breaks off a 15-yard uh, run through the air that's very demoralizing for any defense and it reminds me last season when we were playing uh, the Raiders in Vegas they had a uh, uh, Yannick Ngakwe and Max Crosby, this great pass rush. That was a huge game for the Chiefs in the middle of the season that they had to win. Uh, and if the Raiders won that game, I believe they would have been in first place in the division. And over and over again, quick screens over the top. Max Crosby's right there turning around, and Travis Kelsey's caught a, a two-yard pass through the air that goes for 15 yards. So that kind of game plan I really think could work against this defensive front of the Eagles. And just like my thoughts on how the running game could work against these guys, that screen game is just as effective. Think about the pass rushers that have lived in the AFC West in the five years that Patrick Mahomes has been the starter. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're looking Von Miller, who was still cooking it, right? He was doing great. Chubb, who, who was awesome. You mentioned the, the Raiders rushers. Uh, you look at what the Chargers have done, you know, the other Bosa, uh, and Khalil Mack, been in this division, back in this division. So this is a team, this Chiefs team, has had to face uh, some of the best pass rushers in the National Football League over the span of the last five years. Chandler so, Jones this season? Uh, there, it's, so it's, it's something that I think that has prepared the Chiefs for this game, although it's not to um, disrespect the Philadelphia defense at all. This is a very good defense. This Philadelphia team is what I thought of Cincinnati. There's no weakness in the Eagles. There was no weakness at all, I think, uh, in the Cincinnati Bengals. Now let's flip it over the other side. Other than have you sensed from Patrick, because I've sensed this too, that – I don't know if it's the Super Bowl 55 or it's all this. Like I said at the at the end of the Cincinnati game, you know, you can dislike us, disrespect us, doubt us. I'm gets Patrick's got that look in his eye. Yeah. Don't you sense that? Absolutely. Like he is, he's always locked in, but it's like, wow, he's looking through me and looking past. Where's he looking? Right. It's the Superman uh, can see five miles past you, but that's what I sense from him and from a lot of these guys. So I think they're ready to go here. Now let's flip it over to the other side, and that is the Philadelphia offense. Very intriguing group to look at as well. It is their run game. If you look at the stats of this team, it is their run game. How, how they, have, they are the NFC version of the Baltimore Ravens to me, and how they commit to the run, how they run it, and how creative they are in the run game. They're an interesting study because they throw the football well. They have two of the best receivers in the NFL and A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. Very good tight end in Dallas Goddard. And they actually have the second most passes of 25 or more yards in the NFL behind only the Kansas City Chiefs. So they throw the football very well, but everything with this team begins with the rushing attack. And you can kind of say that about some, t some teams, right? Like, oh, you have to establish the run. It's very true with these guys because if you look at what they've done this season they have 544 rushing attempts that was third most of any team in the nfl and they averaged 150 rushing yards per game that was the fifth most in the nfl and it comes from everywhere they don't have just like one guy like like derrick henry for example on the titans derrick henry is their rushing attack 
right? That's not the case with the Eagles, and the Ravens are a good comparison because it comes from everyone with them as well. You have Miles Sanders on this team at running back, has more than 1,200 yards on the ground. Uh, several other running backs that they sprinkle in there that are all also pretty good. But then Jalen Hurts, what he can do on the ground, their RPO game is so lethal because when he's um, handing the ball right here, he can take it himself and he can run for 15 yards, or he can give it to Miles Sanders or whoever else is back there, and they can run as well. He's so dangerous in this offense. He had more than uh, 3,700 passing yards and 700 rushing yards this season. He's one of only four quarterbacks in NFL history to have more than 3,500 passing yards and 700 rushing yards, and he's the only one of that group that includes Josh Allen, Cam Newton, uh, I'm forgetting who the other one was, but uh, and Kyler Murray, uh, who had a passer rating over 100. So this guy is awesome. He's very good at throwing the football, but everything begins with their rushing attack. And if you can stop the run, it's a big task, but if you can stop the run, really makes things tougher on this offense. And if you want to grind a little further, when you look at the Philadelphia Eagle rushing attack, so Hurts, 15 touchdowns for Hurts this year, counting the playoffs. Uh, that's the most by any quarterback in NFL history. All right, so the productivity's there. Any quarterback run offense, is different because usually if one guy's handing off, I talked to Colin Saunders about this today, you're playing 11 defenders against 10 guys. Mm. The quarterback's not involved. He's handed off or he's throwing. In the run game, you have 10 blocking 11, and the 11th is running it. And the, any uh, run-based offense, think of Lamar Jackson doing the same thing. But here's where Philadelphia, I think, is very unique, and I think that they are the best at doing it. You mentioned the RPO game. It looks the same. If you watch the video and watch it closely, it looks like the same because the backs and, and hearts may be going to the same spot, but they might block what looks the same five or six different ways. And in talking with our defensive linemen this week, uh, this was where Jason Kelsey is so important for them. They will call run audibles like most teams will call pass audibles. You think your keys are there. Oh, it's this formation and this thought. And then based on where you align, the Eagles will call a very creative run audible. So their run blocking, it's very similar in colleges when you play the uh, service academies. Yeah. And you're playing Army and you're playing Air Force, and it looks like, well, that's the same run. How can they run it? No, they're blocking it six different ways. And I'm going to give Philadelphia credit. I asked Coach Reed about this too, just how creative they are in their RPO game and how it's way past the naked eye and how good they are in creating plays and creating big plays. You and I are big fans of the game NCAA Football 14. <laughs> well, Pop it on our Xbox 360s. Late are they night coming out with a new one? Did I they hear are. that? Are they? Oh man! Yeah, I, they are. But I mean, I'll pay. I'll pay a king's ransom. The original game is still so much fun. Oh, and so if much you fun. run uh, like the read option in that, you know, and it's you just read the defensive end and you hold on to A if a, you want to hand it a, off, or yeah. you run. And yeah. that's what Jalen Hurts is so good at doing. He can read the defensive line so well, and it's so tough to defend. Uh, you have to stay disciplined if you're the Chiefs' defense. You have to know what Jalen Hurts can do. Fortunately, the Chiefs have so much speed at defense, and I think they're so well-prepared personnel-wise this season to play a team like Philadelphia, maybe better than they have in the past because of their speed at the second and third level and the athleticism they have at linebacker uh, and in the secondary to deal with a guy like Jalen Hurts and all his weapons uh, on this offense. It's kind of in a lot of ways similar to the 49ers in Super Bowl 54, except they have a way more athletic quarterback in Jalen Hurts compared to Jimmy Garoppolo. No shade to Jimmy Garoppolo, but Jalen Hurts is a much better athlete. Uh, but the 49ers ran that lateral rushing attack, right, with Debo Samuel and Raheem Mostert and all those guys. It was very difficult to defend, but the Chiefs found a way. I loved the Chiefs' defensive game plan two weeks ago against 
Cincinnati will need another great game plan here. I know they can do it, but it all begins up front with their defensive line. They have to get penetration early and often in this game, and they have to remain disciplined. Remain disciplined because Philadelphia is so good at blocking where you go, they'll take you where they want you to go and then knock you out of there, and you can overrun the play. Miles Sanders, you mentioned him. We can go, I mean, down the line here. Gainwell's good. Scott's good. But if you overrun a play, they're going to hit you on the backside, and now you've got a real problem. Or if you overrun the RPO, Hertz will get you on the backside, and now you've got a bigger problem. So the defensive line, which I think has done a great job this year, and it's Chris Jones for sure and he's, because he's had an Aaron Donald-type year, but it's all those guys. We mentioned Carlos Dunlap and the impact he's had in this kind of game because he is so disciplined in what he does. Carl Loftus has learned and grown. Mike Dan is underrated. Colin Sanders having the year of his life. Derek Nottie's always been a highly rated run stuffer. It's going to take all of those guys across the board in this game to remain disciplined, as I'm glad you mentioned. And what I love about this matchup and where our guys are at mentally right now is you mentioned how locked in Patrick Mahomes is, which is true, as locked in as he always is. I don't think I've ever seen him as locked in as he currently is. But the same goes for our defensive line. And that's really been throughout the playoffs. But particularly going into that Bengals game, this defensive line was as locked in as I have ever seen them. And that's carried over here uh, into this week. They all are just so ready to go and hungry to show what they can do because I think they felt disrespected really throughout this entire season. Uh, people don't think they can get it done outside of the kingdom. And we know they can. They showed they can against the Bengals. And they're eager to show they can do the same against a very good offensive line and a very good offense uh, in Philadelphia. But our guys are ready. Yeah. By the way, if you were intrigued by the whole college football 14 discussion video game, didn't you take – how far did you get Georgia State? We won a national title. I play on, like, varsity, though. He won a <laughs> national championship at Georgia State. You know this because I did have COVID in the summertime. What did I do? How do you get over COVID? You play the entire Washington skate schedule. You win the Pac-12. You beat Utah in the Pac-12 championship game. I did lose to Penn State in the Rose Bowl. But go Cougs. I was on Seattle radio yesterday. And there was like a Washington State guy in there. We talked about Jalen Watson. And I said, you guys know I won the Rose Bowl as your coach. Yeah. Uh, didn't win the Rose Bowl. I won the Pac-12 as your coach playing college football 14. He goes, man, you're like, you're weird. So It, it was we so just, great because yeah. in the summertime, Mitch is all cooped up. And he's texting me. And he plays like on Heisman, which I serious respect. Just some opponents. I, I make it realistic. If I'm, yeah, which I respect. If I'm it's, playing SC in the Coliseum, I'm playing Heisman. Yeah, and it's great. And he'll walk me through, like he'll give me a full play-by-play -play of everything that happened. And you have the player names on there, so you know who they are. Oh, yeah. It's so like River Craycraft. Oh. Yeah, and when I see him in the River. league now, I You're always think man. about you. Yeah. Yeah, River Craycraft. Wait oh. until River Craycraft one day is a chief. You'll lose your mind. You're going to make me emotional. <laughs> Talking about River Craycraft and what he did running over routes uh, to win uh, the Pac-12 and get to the Rose Bowl. All right, back on track. Eliminate distractions, right? Yeah. If they set down a college football 14 in front of us right now, we would have distractions. We sure would. Uh, but let's, get, let's stay focused here on this Philadelphia offense because another part will close out this way. You know, I want to touch on special teams. But they do take shots. We talk about them running the ball creatively in their RPO game, the fact that they're so good running the ball, really the NFL's best rushing team this year. They will take their shots. The trade of A.J. Brown was, was profound for them. They knew what they were doing. It was expensive, but they took him and got him. But when you look at him and Devontae Smith and others, but those two primarily early, early, early. I keep hearing from our coaches, early, early, early. They love to take shots down the field of those guys. And think of the 49er game. It should have been an incompletion if it would have been challenged, but Devontae Smith's big catch early near the boundary set the tone for that game. 
So my comparison here is not about scheme. It's about their eagerness to surround their quarterback with talent. This team reminds me so much of the 2018 Kansas City Chiefs in terms of the job Brett Veach did to surround Patrick Mahomes with talent early in his career. Howie Roseman has done the same thing in Philadelphia, where they wanted to see what they had in Jalen Hurts. And instead of saying, all right, let's roll him out there with whoever we got and see how he does, they said, let's surround him with all the talent we possibly can, and let's see how he, how he does. And he's thrived with that. They drafted his college teammate in Devontae Smith, then pulled off a huge trade to get A.J. Brown to Philadelphia, and he's been great with all these great receivers. And uh, it says a lot about uh, that team that they invested in Jalen and found a way to surround him with great talent. And Brown responded with the best season of his career. Now, Brown in recent seasons when he was a Titan gave the Chiefs some problems. We and I, You and I have talked about this. I think the Chiefs are much better equipped to play against A.J. Brown this time around than maybe we were in the past because we have so much size, athleticism, and height at corner nowadays. It's very difficult to defend A.J. Brown with shorter corners, but the Chiefs invested in guys like Jalen Watson, Joshua Williams, bigger corners who can compete with a guy like that. And Trent McDuffie, even though he's not six foot three he plays much taller than he actually is and Legereus Sneed as well who's six foot one I believe so all that height at corner and that physicality that the Chiefs have at corner and we've seen that throughout this postseason run from all of our young corners through Brian Cook in there as well as safety even Juan Thornhill and Justin Reed I think they're better equipped personnel wise to handle a guy like A.J. Brown they just got to go out there and do it yeah I'm glad you and you mentioned it parenthetically but that the uh, physical nature of the Chiefs safeties comes into play against these guys too both against the run we didn't mention the linebackers but Nick Bolton, Willie Gay Jr., right down the line, Darius Harris, Chanel, all those guys are going to have to have big games, and they have to stay disciplined as well. And I think Willie Gay, in a lot of ways, is the key to this game. I, I, there's a there's a big play waiting from Willie Gay Jr. in this game, and from Trent McDuffie. I'm just going to put it out there. Trent McDuffie's going to make an explosive play, and I'm with you with Willie Gay Jr. But throwing Cook, Thornhill, I'm excited for him to play this game. Uh, he was after when we won Super Bowl 54, and there's this euphoric state, as you know, in the locker room. And, and Juan was loving it, but he was just back against this locker. He was subdued because he got hurt in the final play of the regular season that year, missed that run to the Super Bowl 54, and he was saying, I just want to do this where I can be a part of it, where I, I helped it. And he was, he was not being selfish, but I knew what he was feeling. Yeah. And I've talked about him several times now. Dude, you're back. You, you will get a chance to win this game and help be a part of this. So for a Juan Thornhill, do you get a do-over in the NFL? In his case, he is. How often does that happen? Not often. I mean, that's just the reality of the National Football League and a good reminder for all of us as Chiefs fans that to go to the Super Bowl three times in four years is not normal at all. Think about a guy like Dan Marino. Early in his career, lost a Super Bowl. Oh, he'll be back, right? Was never back. And that's what's so amazing about this team, and I, I bang this drum every single time we talk about this. This team fought through so much to get back to this moment, and it says so much about them because it would be so easy to come up short uh, in Super Bowl 55 or for Juan Thornhill to have a shot, but he was injured and couldn't make it. He never makes it back. Or the Chiefs in the AFC title game last year, they come up short, they were so close, they never make it back. All of that's thrown out with this team, and it takes the certain culture we have here, the resiliency of our guys, to find a way back to this moment. And that's why I'm so excited for this game, because these guys know how hard it was to get here, and they're not going to waste it, everyone included, from guys like Juan, who were hurt in Super Bowl 54, to guys like Carlos Dunlap, who had never won a playoff game in his 13-year NFL career before coming to Kansas City. Now he has his chance. All of these guys are so hungry for this moment, uh, us included. We just can't wait for some. Day. Get it here. <laughs> All 
I think, too, I just feel like there's one or two explosive special teams plays coming in this game for the Chiefs. What is that? Is that a return? Maybe. Is that a block punt? Maybe. Our guy Jack Cochran has been this close of getting some block punts. Is that blowing up a return and getting a fumble recovery? I just feel that way in special teams. Philadelphia's good in special teams, and they've got veterans now. Brett Kern, we saw him for a 1,000 years being the uh, Titans punter. Uh, but this – I just I have that sense from special teams that Dave Tobe and Andy Hill are thinking of something for this game. Yeah, yeah, I could, just me, man. I could definitely see it, and, and special teams are where the AFC title game was won, right? It was a tremendous redemption story about how the Chiefs had those struggles in special teams earlier in the year, and when it mattered most, those guys came through. I'm hoping we see that here in this one. Hopefully, the Chiefs don't have to punt in this game. Hopefully, they go down and score every single time, but speaking about redemption stories, I know Tommy Townsend is looking forward to this game as well. Uh, it's unfair to him because it was his rookie season, but Super Bowl 55 is a game he'd probably like to forget, but Tommy bounced back from that game in such a big way. He was the best punter in the NFL this season. It says so much about him that he was able to use that as fuel to get better all these years later, and now he's back in a Super Bowl with a chance to show what he can do as well. Hopefully it's just holding. Hopefully he does not have to punt, but if he has to, Tommy will be ready. And by the way, he did a great job on the hold on the winning field goal against Cincinnati. Go back and look <laughs> at that. And Tommy Townsend, I'm glad you mentioned him. I don't, I'm not sure the Chiefs are in this game if they don't have Tommy Townsend. No. You think I'm wrong? Go binge watch the whole season. Go watch every game. Watch 19 games and watch the little nuancey things that happen from Tommy Townsend help this Chiefs team get to Super Bowl 57 and possibly win it. So why do you connect with us on Defending the Kingdom? One, we'll tell you about Storage Mart, but we'll also tell you to go to the Jay Rieger and Company Distillery <laughs> Super Bowl party, which will be epic. But where else would you hear about college football 14 <laughs> video game, Georgia State, Washington State, where else? Would we have a Blues Brothers reference? Yeah. Right, Matt? And some whipping wind to go with it. Whipping wind and a Blues Brothers that said, hit it and win it. Ten, five, touchdown! Lock it down! And the celebration begins at Arrowhead.